When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 60 minutes of insight and analysis on the Volunteers and Titans. This is the Tennessee Power Hour with Jonathan Hutton and Chad Withrow. The Tennessee Volunteers will look to hurdle the Gators in a massive showdown in Knoxville this weekend. And the Titans have created a major hole in an awful 0-2 start to their season. And now the desperate Raiders come to Nashville. Welcome to the Tennessee Power Hour. Served by Nelson's Greenbrier Tennessee Whiskey. With Chad Withrow, I'm Jonathan Hutton. And over the next 30 minutes, we discuss the Vols. And then 30 minutes on the Titans, all in a jam-packed hour to get you ready for kickoff. And we begin this week, Chad, with the Tennessee Volunteers. They are attempting an exorcism of the Gators' dominance in this SEC series. It's the top game of the college football weekend. And it's another great weekend to talk Tennessee football on the show And as always, we begin our Tennessee segment presented by Regal Realty. Yeah, we open with a bright spot with the Tennessee Vols right now, at least for this week. We'll have to see what happens on Saturday. It could be uh, another week of mourning like we're going to see with the Titans a little bit later when we get our perspective on that blowout loss in Buffalo. You're never going to be in mourning, though, when you work with my guys, Richard and Hunter, over at Regal Realty Group. I've known them for a long time. These guys and their agents at Regal Realty, they're good people. We all want to work with good people in our network. So if you're looking to buy or sell your house, Regal Realty Group will help you from contract to closing and everything in between. Let them do the heavy lifting and make it easy for you. Hit them up at RegalRG.com. Chad, the the Vols enter the week against Florida coming off of a a tune-up game against Akron. What was refreshing about the win? The refreshing part of the win was the way I felt all week and all day leading up to that 6 o'clock central kickoff, and that was having no doubts about Tennessee's readiness to come out and lay a whooping on Akron in this game. And that is refreshing given coaches past at Tennessee. Jeremy Pruitt lost a game uh, to Georgia State to open a season. Butch Jones had a very uninspired performance in November in a win over North Texas, who at the time was the worst team in FBS. He had a close win over South Florida. The list goes on and on. Appalachian State to open the season. We all know how good that program is, but a team that was preseason, you know, borderline top 10 at that point, to go into overtime on a Thursday night to open the season was very disappointing. So that's the good part about this Josh Heupel program and what he's instilled. I had no doubt that Tennessee was going to come out ready. They were going to run their offense. They were going to put up a lot of points. And this thing would be put to bed by halftime. And that's exactly what happened against Akron. We're going to spend a lot more time talking about Florida moving forward. But I think that's an encouraging sign of the culture that Josh Heupel has built, that part of that culture is preparedness and going into every week and preparing the same way and making sure you're ready to go regardless of opponent. And that's what we saw on Saturday night. Look, Bama beat UL Monroe 63 to 7. Tennessee beat Akron 63 to 6. Those are very similar opponents and very similar outcomes. Tennessee for one week looked like Alabama. 
And I think Tennessee fans will take that in a heartbeat. Yeah, they definitely treated Akron the way Alabama would. That's for sure. Uh, And look, we're going to spend a lot of time this season talking about the offense. It's been very good. But defensively, they needed to show some improvements early on, and and they have. Where, where do you think they've improved the most at this point? It's difficult to to give a final conclusion right now, given that two of their opponents are MAC opponents in this season, and they did struggle at times in this department against Pitt. But I think tackling is a lot better. It's way easier to tackle less talented opponents. That's one thing. Our, our old buddy Doug Matthews would tell us that. You know, it, it looks a lot – it's hard to tackle really good players at times. It's easier to tackle players that are worse than you are, and the better athlete typically is a better tackler. Um, Tennessee's getting better athletes on defense, but I really think taking the proper angles, tackling has been a big improvement so far this season. They got in trouble against Pitt a couple times, and the main culprit was Jeremy Banks. To me, he's the key because there are times where he takes a bad angle, he gets lost in coverage, and can give up a big play. We all remember the highlight reel hurdle by the tight end for Pitt, the long run that was their second touchdown of the game and that one also. Some terrible angles taken on that play. Outside of that, Tennessee has been very disciplined in wrapping up and tackling. They've been much better than a year ago at taking proper angles and limiting plays that could be 40 or 50 yards a year ago to 12 to 15 yards this season. So that, that's been a big emphasis for this team all offseason. And I think it's been job well done through three weeks. Shout out Doug Matthews. Shout out to Coach to Coach, which is a, a radio show that runs on many of these same radio uh, stations that uh, are currently running the Tennessee Power Hour right now. And uh, they do a great job, both he and, and Dave McGinnis and Larry Stone. And Tennessee's show. run game, Chad, um, it's a problem. They, I, it's, it's hard to find and pinpoint and nitpick about their offensive start. But the running backs are leaving a lot to be desired in a conference where you have to run the football at times and run it well. Yeah, the more I watch Tennessee, the less I'm concerned about the offensive line and the more I'm concerned about their running backs not taking the the proper gap, leaving a lot to be – on a play that could get you 30 or 40 yards, they're getting seven or eight at times because the, the, the right cutback is not being taken in the game. The health of Jabari Small concerns me, which we're going to get into in a little bit. Look, this comes off a game where Tennessee ran the ball well. 238 yards, 5.3 yards per carry against Akron. A key to Tennessee's offense, though, will eventually be Hendon Hooker running the football. He's only rushed for 63 yards so far this season. Tennessee against Pitt only averaged 2.6 yards per carry. That's the only legitimate opponent we've seen this year for Tennessee, so that right now is the standard, and it's a bad one in the run game for Tennessee. 2.6 yards per carry against Pitt, 5.3 yards per carry against Akron. Hutton, can they meet in the middle? I think if Tennessee can be around 3.9, four yards per carry in the run game against Florida, that's a good sign against a Florida defense that has been bad. Granted, against two great rushing teams in Utah and South Florida, They did okay against Kentucky against the run, but that's without their stud, Chris Rodriguez, in the backfield. So if Tennessee can just split the difference between Akron and Pitt and run somewhere right in the middle in yards per carry, I think that's going to be a good sign on Saturday against the Gators. It also helped the the passing game this week as we we transitioned to some injury concerns. Cedric Tillman, you mentioned Jabari Small and then Dylan Sampson. Let's start with Cedric Tillman. 
Um, and, and the factor that he plays in this offense and the fact that, you know, we could see him either not play or be very slowed in this game. Well, he's a player that if he's in the game, you've got to put attention on him uh, with, with multiple guys at times. Because if it's one-on-one, we've seen it time and time again. Hendon Hooker has no problem throwing it up for grabs and expecting his guy to go get it and not to throw a pick, which Hendon Hooker, once again this season, no interception so far, has been great about not turning the ball over. Tillman, it's I think it's an ankle injury with him, a sprained ankle. We've seen this, you know, that he could – rehab quickly and it could heal quickly and he could be good to go or at least give it a go on Saturday. They might may decide it's too injured and rest him. Tennessee's got a bye week after Florida and then they get ready to go to Baton Rouge and take on LSU. So he'd have, you know, three weeks really to to get ready for LSU at that point. Uh, That's a huge concern for Tennessee though. We saw a lot more from Jalen Hyatt this past week. I think Brew McCoy is due more targets in this offense so I don't think Tennessee's completely lost without Cedric Tillman, but obviously you take away maybe the best receiver in college football right now, or one of the best, it's going to be a big blow to your offense. Jabari Small may be even a little bit more concerning to me because Tennessee's depth at running back is bad. Dylan Sampson left that game. I think Dylan Sampson has showed big-time upside with his speed so far. He's eventually going to be the guy for Tennessee, but if you take Small – and Dylan Sampson, out of the offense, out of the game, if they're unable to go, I mean, you've got Jalen Wright, you've got Justin Williams-Thomas, that's it for scholarship running backs in this game. That's a big problem for Tennessee, a team that needs to run it better. Jalen Wright's had some some ball security issues also. They really need Jabari Small to go in this one. I think he will, just watching his movement on the sideline. He got that stinger, the shoulder injury. He was moving it a little bit when he was on the bike on the sideline. That seemed a lot more like precaution in the game. That hey, we're not going to risk it in this game against Akron. That we're going to handle them. So Tennessee took them out of the ga- took him out of the game. The hope is Jabari Small can go on Saturday. I think Cedric Tillman is 50-50 at best right now to play on Saturday. But those are the three guys on offense we're going to be watching all week as Tennessee gets ready to take the field on Saturday against Florida. An underrated storyline, the stadium, Neyland, was sold out. You know, we we have Austin Price on this show from VolQuest from time to time, and we'll ask him about stadium attendance. And he says, every seat filled, uh, maybe not, but it's going to be a good crowd. The fact that they sold out the Neyland Stadium aspect for Akron ahead of Florida tells you what? It tells me that one thing we always know about Tennessee and any fan base, they love a winner. But what Tennessee wants more than anything, Hutton, is relevance. And they are relevant. Right now, they are 11th in the country. College game day, we're going to talk about in the next segment on ESPN, is going to be coming to Knoxville this upcoming weekend. Tennessee had a setup game that fans knew they were going to show up and have fun watching a route against Akron and then start the preparation for Florida Week. Tennessee wants to be relevant. They were relevant for years and years. They haven't been overly relevant in the last 10 to 15 years. So any taste of that is going to get them spending money and coming out to support this team. We saw that against a bad Akron team on Saturday night, and I was shocked that game was sold out, but it was, and now we get ready for Florida. Coming up, two matchups to watch as Tennessee battles Florida at Neyland Stadium. This is the Tennessee Power Hour, served up by Nelson's Greenbrier Tennessee Whiskey. The Tennessee Power Hour. Get Chad Withrow's breakdown of this week's big orange matchup next. 
Cheers, huh? Cheers, Withrow. And cheers to brothers Andy and Charlie Nelson. After a chance encounter, they dedicated their lives to resurrecting the family business, Nelson's Greenbrier Distillery. And what they found is that whiskey runs in their blood. Made in Nashville, Tennessee, Greenbrier Tennessee whiskey is a taste of home with a real Nashville story. Head to GreenbrierDistillery.com for cocktail recipes and more info. Greenbrier Tennessee Whiskey and Nelson Brothers Bourbon now available throughout the great state of Tennessee. So ask for it at your favorite store. Get you some Greenbrier. Nelson's Greenbrier reminds you to drink responsibly. Greenbrier Tennessee Whiskey, 45.5% alcohol by volume. Hello, Tennessee Power Hour listeners. My name is Hunter Briley, and I am with Regal Realty Group. And my name is Richard Van Clive. I'm also with Regal Realty Group. And we are great friends that treat our clients like great friends. Because that's how we want to be treated. We are also born and raised here in Middle Tennessee and support our local team. And with an economy that's affecting everything except the real estate market, it's important to do business with friends that can tell you what's what. From contract to closing, everything in between, we have you covered. Go to RegalRG.com to get started. And happy football season. Don't pay too much for your new Ford. Custom order it from Two Rivers Ford just outside Nashville. Two Rivers Ford is the premier volume Ford dealer in Tennessee. They've been locally owned since 1983, and they sell all their new non-specialty Fords at just 1% over invoice. That's right, 1% over invoice. They treat you right, and you'll always get the best price. I know because my family has been buying from them for years. So call Two Rivers Ford today at toll-free 800-900-1000. From Knoxville to Nashville, Titans news and analysis on the Tennessee Power Hour. The Tennessee Power Hour, served by Nelson Greenbrier, Tennessee Whiskey, rolls on with Chad Withrow. I'm Jonathan Hutton. We're previewing Tennessee and Florida this weekend. In the passing game, the Vols have 11 plays of 28 or more yards. Florida has just three. And they had one offensive touchdown against Kentucky, a drive that was 34 yards to go get the score. Chad, let's let's preview Tennessee and Florida by giving your two matchups to watch. And we start with the Tennessee offensive matchup against the de- defense of what the Gators will be bringing at Neyland. Yeah, Brenton Cox Jr. for Florida is a real problem. Uh, th- that's where I want to focus to start. The the edge rusher linebacker for the Gators uh, presents a lot of problems for everyone that, that they're going to play. Tennessee's offensive line uh, against him, wherever he lines up, is going to be a big point of emphasis. Trading the third, I think, is their best player on defense at safety, and he's their leading tackler. But specifically Brenton Cox, because if Florida can get to Hendon Hooker quickly, I think that negates that stat you just talked about in the big play department. Tennessee's going to get rid of the ball quick at times. They're also going to have some slower developing plays where they're going to try to hit some double moves in this game and try to take advantage of Florida's aggression in this game. It's going to start with protection against a guy like Brenton Cox. Offensive line has been better in pass blocking as opposed to run blocking so far this year for Tennessee, but that's a player that I am watching in this game to see if Tennessee can limit him and make sure that Britton Cox is not the headline on Sunday morning coming out of this game because he just wrecked Tennessee's chances offensively. Well, and then um, on in Florida's offense, you know, that you mentioned headlines. The headline after week one was Anthony Richardson against that Utah defense, which is a very physical front um, that, that we see uh, out west. But, you know, you 
you look at how the Utah played that game, it was still a struggle for Florida at times to move the football. And it's been that way the last two games for them as well. So what's the defensive matchup you're facing and you're pointing to to say, hey, this is how you keep things a struggle for Florida on Saturday? I mean, I think that it's the opposite approach of what you saw against Pitt for Tennessee defensively. The mindset in that game was we are going heavy after the quarterback on every single play. It was blitz after blitz after blitz, trying to get either Keaton Slovis or Nick Patty, the backup quarterback, to get rid of the ball quickly, find the quick read, and take a hit while doing it. And it ended up working for Tennessee. They knocked Pitt's starting quarterback out of the game, and Nick Patty was mostly ineffective in the second half for the Pitt offense. In this game, I think you play, you drop zone, you know, you play coverage and you keep Anthony Richardson contained. You want him being a pocket passer. Florida's averaging 141 yards through the air so far this season. You mentioned that game against Utah where he was great on the ground. He took a beating in that game. He took a low hit early against Kentucky. From that point on, they have not run Anthony Richardson and he has not wanted to run. That is a huge advantage for Tennessee. This is a guy barely uh, completing 50% of his passes on the season. They're not doing much through the air. So I think the key matchup defensively for Tennessee, two guys against Anthony Richardson, Jeremy Banks, who I mentioned in the last segment, as a guy who's been known to take bad angles at times. He has got to be fundamentally sound in this game and his contain of Anthony Richardson when he tries to take off and run. Aaron Beasley's the other. He's been a pleasant surprise for Tennessee, leading the team in tackles so far. Those two linebackers, Jawan Mitchell also when he's in the game, but really Tennessee's linebackers against Anthony Richardson in contain when things break down or Tennessee gets a quick rush on the quarterback, making sure Anthony Richardson does not beat you with his legs, which since the injury, since he's been banged up a little bit, he's been less inclined to do. But those are the two guys I'm watching in this game to make sure they're playing smart against Richardson. And look, if Anthony Richardson becomes a drop back passer all of a sudden, and he's in the pocket, and he's picking Tennessee apart, you live with that if you're the Vols because that's what you want to see him do because he hasn't done it yet as a quarterback at Florida. He's still learning this Billy Napier offense. So the key to me is be fundamentally sound in in your lanes when you rush the passer. Make sure that you don't allow Richardson to break contain. That's key for both Jeremy Banks, Aaron Beasley, and any other Tennessee linebacker in this game. You know, we saw Malik Willis get some snaps Monday night in Buffalo for all the wrong reasons. That that game got out of hand. Uh, and I think I know where you're going here, so our audience, don't raise an eyebrow. Is there a scenario where Joe Milton enters this game without an injury to Hendon Hooker? I don't know if it's this game, per se, but I'm not going to rule it out. And I'm also not going to sit here and say I fully trust Joe Milton based on what we saw last year. <laughs> right. But man, oh man, is his talent tantalizing. I mean, watch that touchdown on Saturday night where he just flicks his wrist and throws the ball, I think, 55 yards in the air for a perfect touchdown, lays it out perfectly, and he doesn't even step into it on this throw. His arm talent and his arm strength is off the charts great. I think he can be a better runner than Hendon Hooker. I think the quarterback running is going to have to factor in against a, a defense like Florida in this game. So, look, Hendon Hooker's been really good statistically. 280 80 yards through the air per game, six touchdowns, no interceptions, quarterback rating of 86.3. I'm not here to say that Hendon Hooker has been bad. 
I'm here to say exactly what Hinton Hooker told us earlier in the week when he met with the media. He's not been his best. He started out games slowly. He's looked like Joe Milton at times, overthrowing wide-open receivers streaking down the field. He hasn't been completely sharp, and that's probably due to the expectation the bar set late last season when he was so great for Tennessee's offense, and he's been really good so far. But if he comes out and those first-quarter inconsistencies and inaccurate passes continue, what I will say about Joe Milton is Tennessee has a great luxury in having Joe Milton as the backup quarterback. I'm not as concerned if Tennessee had to go to him because Hinton Hooker just doesn't have it on any given day that he couldn't come in and make something happen for Tennessee's offense. There's not a lot of backup quarterback situations in the SEC where you can say that. Tennessee's got a great luxury in Joe Milton as the backup. I don't think it's going to happen this week. I'm not down on Hinton Hooker at all. But watch Joe Milton, and you see that talent, and I'm telling you, it's it's enticing. And if things go really bad in any game coming up for Tennessee, I, I'm I'm not hesitating to go to Milton uh, if I'm if I'm Josh Heupel. And and it, it after week one when we watched Florida play Utah, if you would have told me this would be the stat line, I would have told you you're crazy for Richardson and Hooker just in the comparison snapshot of this game. But Richardson is 41 for 77 passing for 423 yards through his start. Meanwhile, Hooker is 59 for 85 for 844 yards. Now, South Florida is better than Akron, but South Florida has barely won games over the last several years, and they went toe-to-toe with Florida. But the completion percentage is where it really cranks up, where Hooker doesn't turn the football over, uh, even if he's off. That's what I like about him. And um, he's nearly 70%, albeit who knows about Tillman in this game. And you know, that's where we, we go into this, where statistically, Tennessee looks like a better team, more than just quarterback. They're at home, and I, I, you've been a long proponent of this coming in on a Monday after a Saturday against Florida where, you know what, I, I will believe it when I see it with this with this rivalry. Until Tennessee beats Florida, I'm not picking them. And I'm paraphrasing there, but here's Tennessee – in what is going to be a juiced atmosphere against an opponent that they have struggled against mightily. Is is there mental baggage with this, or does it not matter for, for Josh Heupel and company like he's trying to, to portray? And, and on your point about Hooker versus Richardson, Hooker's played one legitimate defense this year. Right, yeah. yeah. And, and while he wasn't perfect, his stats were otherworldly. They were great. Coming out of that game, when you go back and look on paper at what he was able to do, he was the offensive player of the week in the SEC in a game where he didn't play that well, I I didn't think, against Pitt. Anthony Richardson has played one legitimate defense. Well, two, Utah and Kentucky. He ran the ball well against Utah, did not throw it that well. He did nothing against Kentucky. So is Tennessee's defense legit? (laughs) I think we'll find out on Saturday, right? If it's a legit defense, Kentucky gave you the blueprint. If they have the athletes and the scheme capable of doing it, Tennessee could make Anthony Richardson look this exact same as Kentucky did, but we'll see if they're even close to the level of Kentucky's defense in this game. In regards to mental baggage, um, I believe in this series it has been a thing in the past. I'm also optimistic that Josh Heupel truly does not care about the past with Florida. There are some coaches who say it. Butch Jones was good about talking about it and saying it. Butch Jones cared way too much about everything. All the noise around the program, everything going into every game. I think Josh Heupel has the demeanor that he really doesn't care 
about 16 out of 17 that Florida's won. Uh, last year, he cites as a turning point. Tennessee played poorly down in the swamp. At that time, Florida was 11th in the country. Emory Jones had a great game for Florida, and that's when Tennessee season turned around from that game forward. So I, I believe Josh Heupel. I, I don't think this program and these guys that are playing right now care as much about Florida and bring in that mental baggage. We'll find out on Saturday. You know, I've, I've, I've gotten myself believing that there won't be mental baggage in this game before, and then I come back the Monday after the game, like you said, Hutton, and I say, well, once again, you know, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. But there's something about Josh Heupel that I believe, that he's not going to let this streak affect his team. Let's break down the atmosphere for Saturday. And college game day's there. They've been at this matchup a lot. Uh, but this feels different. This is the game of the weekend. Let's let's have some fun with this. Give me some odds on a celebrity guest picker for college game day in Knoxville. Well, everyone is speculating about what Tennessee fan or person attached to Tennessee celebrity is going to be the celebrity guest picker. I came up with some Vegas odds. I'm, I'm not going to give you the exact odds, but I'm going to go right down the list of who I think the favorites are to be the celebrity guest picker. Number one is Peyton Manning. He's got the relationship with ESPN, with the Manning cast, with his ESPN Plus shows, his production company, everything else. Tennessee fans believe he's a curse. I'll say he's not a curse. He just goes to all the big games, and Tennessee hasn't won many of them lately. So that's that's not Peyton Manning's fault. Number two is Candace Parker. This is also me looking at ESPN and knowing what they like and what they want to go for. Candace Parker, great basketball analyst, former great player under Pat Summit at Tennessee. I'm going to go Bubba Wallace third. The NASCAR star, oh. who is a huge Tennessee Vols fan, they race Sunday in Fort Worth, so it would be possible for him to maybe fly in and fly out and be a part of it as the third favorite. Grant Williams is going to be at the game, the Boston Celtic, hugely popular in Knoxville, uh, great personality. I think he's a possibility. Morgan Wallen is one that's getting talked. There is no way that ESPN <laughs> is going to allow – Morgan Wallen, a microphone for <laughs> obvious reasons with the story about him, regardless of how many records he sells, regardless of how long he stays on top of the country charts, Morgan Wallen is a no-go. And finally, I'm going to say Dolly Parton. That would be the one, the biggest one yeah. Tennessee could land. I just don't think – I think she is past that point. She's probably too big to be a part of this, uh, but I'm going to put her in there also. I give all these uh, names out, Hutton. And fully recognize that you know they may bring Jack Harlow back for a second time on College Game Day on Saturday. Who knows what ESPN will decide with this? Give me Bill Dance, man. Have you seen this? Bill, Bill. the push for Bill Dance is terrific. Uh, I, I love it if he came out in his hat. Uh, but I mean, if, I, if you Google image Bill Dance, you won't find a photo without the power T on his forehead. Yeah, like that. It makes a lot of sense. I think it would be fun. It would be fun but. and funny and a great nod to the Tennessee fan base. There's, there's this groundswell of support to get him to be the celebrity guest picker. So uh, a lot of positivity and momentum for the first half of the show. Coming up, it's the yin and the yang. A lot of negative outlooks for the Tennessee Titans with their 0-2 start. I will uh, give some thoughts on exactly why they are where they are as Chad and I preview the upcoming matchup against the Las Vegas Raiders on the Tennessee Power Hour, served by Nelson's Greenbrier, Tennessee Whiskey. From the honky tonks to Rocky Top, the Tennessee Power Hour continues next. 
Cheers, Hunt. Cheers, Withrow. And cheers to brothers Andy and Charlie Nelson. After a chance encounter, they dedicated their lives to resurrecting the family business, Nelson's Greenbrier Distillery. And what they found is that whiskey runs in their blood. Made in Nashville, Tennessee, Greenbrier Tennessee whiskey is a taste of home with a real Nashville story. Head to GreenbrierDistillery.com for cocktail recipes and more info. Greenbrier Tennessee Whiskey and Nelson Brothers Bourbon now available throughout the great state of Tennessee. So ask for it at your favorite store. Get you some Greenbrier. Nelson's Greenbrier reminds you to drink responsibly. Greenbrier Tennessee Whiskey, 45.5% alcohol by volume. Hello, Tennessee Power Hour listeners. My name is Hunter Briley, and I am with Regal Realty Group. And my name is Richard Van Clive. I'm also with Regal Realty Group. And we are great friends that treat our clients like great friends, because that's how we want to be treated. We are also born and raised here in Middle Tennessee and support our local team. And with an economy that's affecting everything except the real estate market, it's important to do business with friends that can tell you what's what. From contract to closing, everything in between, we have you covered go to regalrg.com to get started and happy football season don't pay too much for your new ford custom order it from two rivers ford just outside nashville two rivers ford is the premier volume ford dealer in tennessee they've been locally owned since 1983 and they sell all their new non-specialty fords at just one percent over invoice that's right one percent over invoice they treat you right and you'll always get the best price I know because my family has been buying from them for years. So call Two Rivers Ford today at toll-free 800-900-1000. This is the Tennessee Power Hour with Jonathan Hutton and Chad Withrow. The Tennessee Power Hour served up by Nelson's Greenbrier Tennessee Whiskey. Get you some Greenbrier. The Titans need to get them a win at some point. They're going to be saying, get you a win over the Raiders. We'll preview that game a little bit and talk about what was a disaster in Orchard Park coming up. But every Titan start to the show on the Tennessee Power Hour is presented by Two Rivers Ford. Don't pay too much for your new Ford. Custom order it from Two Rivers Ford just outside of Nashville and Mount Juliet. Two Rivers Ford is the premier volume Ford dealer in Tennessee. They've been locally owned. Since 1893, they sell all their new non-specialty Fords at just 1% over invoice. 1% over invoice. They treat you right. You'll always get the best price. I know because my family just bought a vehicle from Two Rivers Ford last week. So call Two Rivers Ford today at toll-free 800-900-1000. That's 800-900-1000. Hutton, where, where do we start? It's a it's an old adage that you've used many times on shows I've hosted with you. It's not if you lose, it's how you lose. So let's talk about how the Titans lost to the Bills on Monday Night Football. What a terrible performance. And I think it signals uh, a lot of what's wrong with this team. Only 16 times in the history of the franchise have the Titans lost by 34 or more points. And Monday night was the worst loss of the Mike Vrabel era. And let's not even look to the fourth quarter where they put backups in and waved the white flag. Six and a half minutes to go third quarter. The Bills had outgunned the Titans 336 to 112 in total yardage, and they had a 20-point lead. So we, we can sit here and, and have an argument over what is the Titans' biggest issue. But to me, that's the biggest issue is they have – many that you could pl- claim as, as number one right now. And that's putting it mildly. Um, the Titans are playing offense inside of a box that's about 15 yards. And that was a problem 
that in going back in my notes, I had last year when they played the Jets and they didn't have A.J. Brown on the field for that game. This team misses A.J. Brown. And that's not a knock on Traylon Burks. I think he has a very bright future. I'm not calling that trade a bust. But they miss A.J. Brown in the worst way right now for their window of opportunity. They have no one, no one that presses the defense. Robert Woods is a he's a good player. He's a great number two or number three wide receiver if you have Diggs or if you have Cup and you have someone that's above him in that power ranking as the go-to guy in the passing game. He's if not you have A.J. Brown as an example. If you have A.J. Brown. He's, he's not a number one. And because teams are now able to cheat up against Henry and cheat the passing game because, again, they're not threatened, right now defenses are dropping two safeties or they bring an extra safety up. And they're scheming to stop Henry. And if they do that, they stop the Titans. They play cover two. They play responsibilities. They play their keys. And they focus on tackling Henry with a physical presence. No one else currently poses a threat. And that's what this matchup told me. The The loss to the Giants is one thing. The loss to the Bills, to me, signals something completely different. Because the Giants and where they are on this tier level, the Titans controlled a good portion of that game before it got away in the second half. They were up 13-0, right? In this matchup, we're looking at the top of the NFL, not just the AFC, but the NFL. And the Titans are left looking back over their shoulder going, man, this in no way measures up to what we've done in past years amongst the Robinson and Vrabel era. And this is certainly a soul-searching type loss for the Titans, and they need to be serious about addressing and coming to grips with some serious issues with this 2022 team. And part of that is coming to grips with the state of the Titans roster right now. How would you sum up the state of this Titans roster? They, they lack depth, and they lack a playmaking ability that is going to allow for more explosive plays. And let, let's just start in the run game. Derrick Henry Monday had five carries for negative yards. That's the most for Henry since he's been paired with Ryan Tannehill. Traylon Burks has flashed, but he's no he's not anywhere close to where I would rank the, the rookie wide receivers who have done more than just flash. The, the rookie wide receivers in the first round at this point have affected the scoreboard. Traylon Burks is not. Austin Hooper, non-factor. When they actually get Robert Woods the football, they usually have a play that's called back due to a penalty. And again, he's a number two guy, not a number one. Burks has to press the defense, and he, he's very raw. Derrick Henry's their path to victory, and the respect factor is on one player, number 22. Defenses are stopping him for a variety of reasons, and they don't have a secondary option to turn to. It's a bad spot to be in right now because it's a team full of questions and, and not many answers. And what we're not seeing is the answer coming at quarterback or at wide receiver and a run game that is slow out of the gates based on what we've seen in, in past years. It's expected, but this just feels different. When you look at the run game problems with the Titans, is this solely on the offensive line? and their lack of, of of good play, or is some of the blame on, on Derrick Henry? I, I'm watching 
this game on Monday night, and, and I'm I'm not seeing a lot of holes or a lot of room for Derrick Henry in this game. I don't think Derrick Henry was great at making a lot of things happen on his own, but it feels like the majority of the blames on the offensive line. How much of that majority is on this offensive line, Hutton? Well, it's both. I'm, I'm, I say it feels different for Henry because I, I don't see, I don't see the same pop at the hole in, in some cases. There were a couple runs that in the first two weeks where I think he's hesitant a bit, um, you know, not, in pressing the hole. And again, I'm being, I'm, I'm playing the, the coach from the from the sofa here. Um, I'm with you though. There there were times where. Tannehill's turning around, handing him the football, and there's nowhere to go. I think uh, defenses have figured out how they're going to run blitz or how they're going to attack this Titans offensive line. They're getting pushed back. Penalties have also not helped this. There have been a couple of runs through the first two weeks where um, Henry did – going back just two weeks to the, the Giants game, Henry had a couple of runs that were called back due to a hold. So, you know, when we factor that in – that's an offensive line issue. But this is a recurring factor for Henry in recent years where since 2019, he leads the NFL in rushing yards after Halloween. He's sixth in carries after Halloween uh, for that that time frame as well. And keep in mind, he missed nine games during that stretch, and they still fed him. He, it takes him a while to get going. I, I think part of that is how they use him in the preseason not just in games, but in practice, where it takes a while to gel with the O-line. But again, that, that's still no excuse for a team that focuses their identity on him first. They gave him a $2 million raise before the season, and they're going to run him into the ground. But the problem is um, they're getting blown out before they can actually get into a rhythm, and that is not the Titans' way. They, they are anti-identity right now, which is something I would not have bet on to begin the year. Kyle Phillips is becoming a problem on on special teams yes. now with, with two muff punts. Um, that's too too many in in any level of football, but especially in the NFL, Hutton. Yeah, and you know he's uh, I don't know if it's overthinking it or um, you know uh, the, the the miscues are in his head from week one or the shoulder injury played a factor Monday night, but it's reminiscent of a Dory Jackson to me. Adore comes in from college and is known for doing this, does a good job of the preseason, and then the lights pop on, and the ball's popping out in two consecutive weeks for Kyle Phillips. It's a major issue. Amani Hooker is known for being a very reliable guy. He also had one uh, that popped out. Robert Woods at least caught the punt, but the, the problem is Phillips won this job. He was the first guy that Vrabel actually said in any roster battle in the preseason Phillips had won the job after preseason game number two. There was no one else that was coming close to his consistency. They've got to figure that out because that whenever you're uh, muffing punts and you're giving the football away, that is flipping field position and it's giving good offenses a very short field and automatic points. It's a miscue they've ha- they have to correct. And if they put him out there again and it happens again, he's got to be done with that. They, they cannot continue to trot him out there if he's going to fumble. We've talked Titans offense, but the defense also got shredded against Buffalo. So we'll focus on the defensive side of the Titans. That's when we come back. This is the Tennessee Power Hour served up by Nelson's Greenbrier Tennessee Whiskey. The Tennessee Power Hour. Get Jonathan Hutton's breakdown of this week's Titans matchup 
next. Cheers, huh? Cheers, Withrow. And cheers to brothers Andy and Charlie Nelson. After a chance encounter, they dedicated their lives to resurrecting the family business, Nelson's Greenbrier Distillery. And what they found is that whiskey runs in their blood. Made in Nashville, Tennessee, Greenbrier Tennessee whiskey is a taste of home with a real Nashville story. Head to GreenbrierDistillery.com for cocktail recipes and more info. Greenbrier Tennessee Whiskey and Nelson Brothers Bourbon now available throughout the great state of Tennessee. So ask for it at your favorite store. Get you some Greenbrier. Nelson's Greenbrier reminds you to drink responsibly. Greenbrier Tennessee Whiskey, 45.5% alcohol by volume. Hello, Tennessee Power Hour listeners. My name is Hunter Briley, and I am with Regal Realty Group. And my name is Richard Van Clive. I'm also with Regal Realty Group. And we are great friends that treat our clients like great friends, because that's how we want to be treated. We are also born and raised here in Middle Tennessee and support our local team. And with an economy that's affecting everything except the real estate market, it's important to do business with friends that can tell you what's what. From contract to close, everything in between we have you covered go to regalrg.com to get started and happy football season don't pay too much for your new ford custom order it from two rivers ford just outside nashville two rivers ford is the premier volume ford dealer in tennessee they've been locally owned since 1983 and they sell all their new non-specialty fords at just one percent over invoice that's right one percent over invoice they treat you right and you'll always get the best price I know because my family has been buying from them for years. So call Two Rivers Ford today at toll-free 800-900-1000. This is the Tennessee Power Hour with Jonathan Hutton and Chad Withrow. Welcome back. Tennessee Power Hour served up by Nelson Greenbrier. Tennessee Whiskey Get you some Greenbrier. And Hutton, we talked Titans offense. That was bad outside of that first drive of the game against Buffalo. We can't uh, we can't hold back on the Titans defense either because that was not pretty, and there were some very questionable matchups against Stephon Diggs in this game from a coaching decision standpoint. What jumps out to you the most now through two games when you watch this Titans defense? That the best player is on the opposite side of the football. In both cases, uh, week one, it was Saquon Barkley and Monday night, it was either Josh Allen or Stefan Diggs, but we'll go with Diggs for the skilled positions. This is way more though about the offense for me, Chad, because in total, the Titans tied the game with five minutes and 23 seconds left in the first quarter against Buffalo. They were not down 17 points until there was like 10 minutes left in the third quarter. So The offense possessed the ball four times with a chance to either take the lead or tie the game to keep it within one score. And in those four drives, they gained a total of 50 yards. They didn't run clock. They didn't pick up first downs. And they put the defense right back out there against the NFL's best. When you average near under, when you average under three yards on first down, and then the opponent averages over seven, you get the result that we had. So I realize I've flipped it back to to the offense, but that's what this comes down to because it's about field position and the defense has been, but don't break, especially whenever they're breaking injury wise, Landry's already out. Dupree is out with injury and you've got a guy um, in Avery and Trey Avery who didn't even start every game at Rutgers last year. He's a 25 year old undrafted rookie playing in the secondary ahead of Caleb Farley. That is malpractice from the scouting department with this. The the fact that Caleb Farley is on the sideline for a deep ball where Trey Avery's matched up with Stephon Diggs. It's awful. Mm. 
And if they want to continue that trend, trot him out there against against Adams this week and see what happens. So, Hutton, your favorite movie is Wolf of Wall Street. There's a line in Wolf of Wall Street where Leo's character says, show goes on. <laughs> um, that's a Titan season yeah. right now. You know, you can't sit around and wallow in misery and grief and feel sorry for yourself if you're the Titans. This is the NFL, and the show goes on. They're 0-2. Season continues. Uh, we're going to get into their uh, the, their division, I think, a little bit later when we talk about the positive spin on the remainder of the season. But the show goes on Sunday at home against the Raiders. Uh, some keys against this Raiders team. The season's not over at 0-2. The Raiders are feeling the exact same thing because they're also 0-2 coming into the, this matchup. Hutton, what is key number one against the Raiders for the Titans? They can't allow Devontae Adams to own them the way Stephon Diggs owned them. And it's a different, it's a different premise. The the Raiders have are deploying him in the same way that we saw Green Bay use him. When they get near the goal line in Green Bay over the last several years, they're throwing the football, even if it's around six to three yards before the goal line. Rodgers is still throwing him the football. He's that good in the close short quarters. That's where if the Raiders drive to watch out, he, they went after uh, again this past week, uh, the Vegas uh, Raiders did. They're using him, especially in the red zone. Um, it's 0-2 against 0-2. And desperate times call for your major players to step up. We know the Raiders have one in the passing game in Adams. The Titans have to match that in the passing game. It's an offensive league. They're not going to win games 16-10. to 10. They weren't doing that in 2020 when they were at their best. They're not doing it now when we've seen some of the worst offensive play. Yeah, and, and this Raiders team um, coming in here, there's it doesn't feel like the same sense of desperation with them. You know, they've shown better flashes, I think, than the Titans have through two weeks. Now, granted, you know, the Raiders have not played a team as good as Buffalo on the road the, the way the Titans have, and, and they looked bad in that game. Hutton, you've always got some stats for us, and we've talked a lot about the percentages of teams that start 0-2 in the NFL and how difficult difficult that can be to rebound. Um, how grim is it for the Titans now at 0-2 to start this season? Well, I, I'm, I'm eager to like fast forward a decade and see how this stat holds up. No team since 2017 has started has started 0-2 and, and then made the playoffs. But I can go back uh, further than that. Since 1990, of the 265 teams that have started 0-2, only 30 of them have made the postseason. That's just over 11%. And of those 265 teams that started 0-2, only three have gone on to play in the Super Bowl, and win the Super Bowl. The 93 Cowboys, the 2001 Patriots, and the 2007 Giants. That's it. This is why when we say both teams come in desperate, the Titans need this win because the following week they travel to Indianapolis. And that's where the season really flips for, for Tennessee. The Raiders, meanwhile, feel exactly the same way, especially in their division. Their division outlook is much tougher than the one the Titans face coming up. And that's why they need to pick up a win against an AFC opponent. You're all but eliminating at least one team that could be contending against you for the wild card in in Vegas. And you're looking ahead to a team 
that it comes down to a head-to-head matchup whenever the, the Titans want to contend for the AFC South. That That's what this game means, and it means much more to Vegas because of the AFC West factor. Hutton, even after this 0-2 start for the Titans, there is one saving grace. What is it? Well, it's it, you alluded to it. It's the AFC South. I mean, the Jacksonville right now has a reason to point to the AFC South the same way the Titans do. Hey, it's the Jags division until proven otherwise. They have the lone good performance on the season. Yes. And that 24 nothing win over any No other team has a single good game so far through two weeks. I know. Yeah, and 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 that's that's the thing. So you've got a window here over the next month where the Titans are going to play the Colts twice. The Colts will play the Titans and the Jags and play the Titans twice and the Jags once over the next four weeks, and they have the Chiefs this week, there's going to be a lot of head spinning, I think, within this division all season. But if the, the 0-2 start is not as bleak as, as maybe I think the, the consensus feels right now because of how they can turn it around within the AFC South. That's the saving grace to this awful start. It, it, the, the schedule coming up, though, is crucial because over the next couple weeks, you're playing your division rival in Indy twice. Plus, right after that, you turn and play Jacksonville. So it's um, it's a division that I think will will work itself out relatively early. But I think I, I still think we could see a, a a a wild card team at the seventh spot come out of the AFC South based on the competition level. And I'm with you on Jacksonville. I mean, right now. Uh, their their performers have stepped in and played the best whenever they need a play to be made. Hutton, 60 seconds left. Uh, prediction time. Titans, Raiders, I'll start. I fear the Titans may just be a bad NFL team. They're going to play better in this game, but the Raiders are a better team. Raiders 24, Titans 21. Chad, it is time to start finding some solutions to problems without more problems mounting up for Tennessee. They have been outscored 62-14. to 14 over their last six quarters of football. I am bullish on this guy, and I will maintain this until I feel like they're completely eliminated. Henry's got to get going. They've got to figure ways to manufacture him touches and carries, and he needs to dominate. I think he can. I think this is one of the best games of the weekend. It comes down to the wire. I'm taking Henry um, over the passing game of Vegas in this one and the home atmosphere, which could be 50-50, let's be honest. I'm taking the Nissan Stadium factor as well. I'm taking the Titans by three, 24-21 Sunday. Episode four of the Tennessee Power Hour in the books. We will be back again next week. And as always, we're served up by Nelson's Greenbrier Tennessee Whiskey. A reminder to get you some Greenbrier. A reminder to subscribe, download, and be sure to rate, review, and always listen to the Tennessee Power Hour. Served up by Nelson's Greenbrier Tennessee Whiskey.